Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Humane Nation podcast. I'm your host, Allie. As always, I hope you guys are doing great. I wanted to put something together because I know that with kitten season coming up, well, actually is here. We just did a whole episode about kitten season last time. But with that coming up and also with the shelter population the way it is, I just thought it'd be good to talk about some considerations to think about before you decide to adopt your next companion animal, which I know is a little bit strange to talk about considering the shelter crisis going on right now. But I thought this would be a good one to talk about. So we are briefly going to be diving into this topic in just a little bit. But first, let's go ahead and dive into some animal news first. Speaking of companion animals and pets, a woman in Maine brought a raccoon to a local pet co for a nail trim. And while the raccoon was there, several people handled it and even kissed it. And eventually the lady was asked to leave by the store manager. The manager then contacted the Maine Center for Disease Control and Prevention and obviously told them about it. And because of this, and because of the fact that raccoons are one of the top carriers for rabies, The raccoon was then euthanized because they needed to test it for rabies. The results came back negative, and so far there's no public threat of this incident, but it's still sad that this raccoon was in this situation in the first place. You see, there is no non-lethal methods of testing for rabies because they have to actually receive a sample of brain tissue in order to check for the virus. Ultimately, it's best to leave wildlife alone or to leave wildlife in the care of wildlife rescue and rehabbers who have been trained to properly handle wildlife and who know how to take care of them in the best way possible. When rabies is contracted, it is almost always fatal. And that's why this was such a serious thing. Because this woman brought in a raccoon and because people decided to handle it and kiss it, that increased the risk of possible transmission. Although non-bite methods of contracting rabies is very rare, it can still happen either from scratches, open wounds, or uh, mucous membranes, contaminated saliva. You know, there are different ways that it can still happen. And so that is why the steps were taken after this incident happened. But as I said before, it's best to leave wildlife alone or to leave them in the proper care and handling of a wildlife rescue and rehabber. And while we're on this topic of leaving wildlife alone, there was a man in Yellowstone, which maybe you guys have heard about this, but the other week there was a man in Yellowstone who saw a calf kind of struggling to get out of the river. And because he interfered and because he had touched the young bison calf, the calf was then shunned from the herd. The mother didn't want anything to do with the calf. The herd didn't want anything to do with the calf. And because of this, the calf was on its own, essentially. It was then trying to follow cars, which then made it a hazard for visitors. And because of all of this, the Yellowstone Park Rangers decided it would be best to euthanize the bison calf. This is just the natural consequences of when we interfere with nature. And I'm sure it must have been really difficult for a man coming by and seeing this bison calf struggling to get out of the river and not help. But there are some wildlife that when you interact or when you interfere and you touch They're young, they don't want anything to do with their young anymore. In that kind of incidence, I wonder if it would have been best to contact the Yellowstone Park Rangers and just tell them of the situation because they know the right protocol and the tools um, to be able to hopefully facilitate a smooth transition back to the herd. 
because ultimately the rangers did try their best to reunite the calf with the mother bison but time after time she did not want anything to do with her young anymore so it's this balance of wanting to protect and help wildlife and nature and also knowing that we have to do it in a specific way or else we could actually be doing more harm than good i know that both of those news topics were a little bit of a downer but that's just kind of what what's going on and um it it needs to still be talked about even if it's not happy cute news but with that let's go ahead and jump into today's topic So as I was mentioning before, this is a little bit strange to talk about because on one hand, we have the shelter crisis going on right now where, I mean, just across the states, shelters are packed, they're overflowing. You know, we've talked about this multiple times in previous episodes, and it just seems to keep being a theme. I just saw an article that was saying 900 animals in the San Jose Animal Care and Service Center needing home. 900 animals at one center? I mean, it's hard to comprehend. That mixed with kitten season, it's just this phenomenon of animals needing homes and being stuck in these shelters. But yet, now we're going to be talking about considerations to think about before you decide to adopt. And I feel weird talking about it because, you know, we've been talking about how animals are needing homes and how there's this huge issue happening. But I do believe that there are some people out there who it's best for them to not adopt. There are some people out there who I think do best without having an animal in the home. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's good for people to identify themselves before they decide to make this big commitment. Because ultimately, that's what this is. It's not just a one time for like a week. Oh yeah, hey, this is going to be cute. And oh, let's do it for Instagram. This is a lifelong commitment for that animal. And for you, you are now their source of protection, their source of food, water, medical assistance. They're relying on you to now take care of them. The thing about having a pet or adopting a companion animal is that I know that there are some animal activists out there who are against animal ownership, pet ownership, because animals, as we know, are sentient beings. They can feel and express they're their own individual. At the same time, I know that there are going to be people who will be continuing to adopt and buy animals. So let's go ahead and talk about some considerations to think about before you make this lifelong commitment. Number one is, what are the intentions of you adopting? Is it surely because you want to do it for Instagram? I know that there are so many, uh, there's so many influencers out there. And I don't know, sometimes I think I'm such an old person because I, I'm in my 20s and sometimes these influencers are just so annoying to me. But are you doing it just for the views on TikTok or Instagram? Are you doing it for the likes? Because if so, probably adopting a pet is not for you. If you're using that animal in order to gain popularity, then you're going into this with the wrong intentions. Likewise, if you're wanting to adopt surely because all of your friends are adopting and it's becoming the new fad or the new trend, 
maybe you need to think about what all goes into caring for an animal for the rest of their life. But even parents, if parents are going into this with the idea of it being like a reward system for their kids, like, oh, if you clean the dishes for a week without being told, or if you're able to constantly pick up your clothes or your toys after you're finished with them, after doing that for so often, you'll be able to go out and pick your own dog or pick your own pet. You know, things like that where it's a reward system, I think is maybe the wrong way to go about it. While it's definitely showing that kids are responsible when they're able to accomplish these tasks, it's not really fully getting a good picture of what it's like to take care of a living being. If your child keeps saying to you, oh, I really want a dog, I really want a cat, a rabbit, whatever it is, you can say, hey, I understand, I hear you. It's a lot of responsibility. But how about we go to our local shelter and see if we can volunteer so we get an idea of what exactly goes into having one of these animals in our home. That way, for one, it gives you both a better idea of what exactly the needs are going to be, and two, you guys are able to spend that time together volunteering, and it now becomes more of a, you see the bigger picture. It's not just a, oh, this would be so cute, and oh, that'd be amazing, but now you're seeing the big picture of, oh, wow, there's a huge need. What exactly is, you know, going to match our personality, our lifestyle? And so that's just kind of some advice I have if your child has been coming to you and just expressing this desire to either adopt a dog or a cat or maybe they're interested in a rabbit, you know, it's um, something important to keep in mind. But also knowing that some children just go through phases. If you realize that your child maybe has watched a movie recently like 101 Dalmatians and now they're super hyper aware of Dalmatians and really wanting one, or maybe their friends just adopted a cat or their friend just adopted a turtle, you know, whatever it may be, if they have been having these kinds of outside experiences and now you realize that your child is wanting because of their friends now having, um, it could also be that they're going through a phase. For example, I went through a phase one time Actually, several times back when I was a kid, I remember watching this movie with my friends about chihuahuas. I don't remember what it was about, but it was one of those super cheesy movies that then there becomes a super high intake of chihuahua demands and <laughs> all the things. You guys know those kinds of movies. But after watching that, I was like, oh, wow, I really want a chihuahua. And so I was looking at chihuahuas around and probably looking at websites that were home to puppy mill sites, who knows. Eventually that phase passed. And I'm super glad that my parents did not give in to my phase and just let me get a chihuahua. Now fast forward a few years later when I, for some reason, had it in my head that I really, really wanted to get a rabbit. We had never had a rabbit at home before. But for some reason, I had it in my head that I would really like to have a rabbit. Now, I at that point was about, I don't know, maybe like a preteen or something along those lines. And my dad, he was, he was able to be convinced and he thought, okay, yeah, sure. My mom was pretty skeptical. So in order to ease her skepticism, I was like, 
okay, let me just uh, do some research. And my way of showing her that I was ready to have a rabbit was I went to some random website talking about rabbit care and I printed out the papers and I gave it to her. And I think my dad probably kind of nudged like, hey, you know, maybe we should let her get a rabbit. And there I was on my way to some super sketchy house where they were breeding rabbits and Pomeranian puppies. And I came back with my rabbit. Her name was Kimmy. And I, oh my goodness, I did not know a thing about properly caring for a rabbit. I knew the very basics. And I tried my best with what I, the, the very little knowledge I had. But let me tell you, it was not the best life I could have given her. As a preteen, or even early teenager, I had not done proper research. I hadn't thought things through all the way. You know, I look back and I regret that experience, but at the same time, I was able to learn from it and also now hopefully explain to other people that when you're going through a phase like that, there's a lot more than just the cute factor of having a rabbit or whatever animal it is that you're considering. And so if you find that your child is now going through this phase, seriously dive into research with them, the care that is required, the supplies that is required. If there is a friend that you have that may have a rabbit or a turtle or whatever animal it is that they're kind of obsessing over, see if you can go over to your friend's house and let them have kind of like a field trip experience where they can learn and experience what it's like to take care of this animal and some of the challenges that happen because of taking care of a specific kind of animal. Each species are going to have their own needs and realizing what those are from the beginning is very helpful and also will save the animal from a lot of stress. So that kind of wraps up our first portion here about what are the intentions of adopting an animal. So let's move on to the next phase of the expensive part. Let me tell you, it is expensive. We have Cookie, our cat, Dr. Cookie, as you guys probably have heard us talk about her before. Love her. She's so sweet. She is very low maintenance when it comes to her food, when it comes to her vet bills. So far, she has been just low maintenance. But our dog, Natasha, she's a greyhound we've mentioned before. Um, she has a lot of skin issues. And so it seems like she's either having a sore on her somewhere or um, some other kind of infection happening. And so her vet bills are definitely more expensive. Just last week, we had to take her because of um, the spot on her skin that was becoming infected and they wanted to put her on an antibiotic and poof just like that over a hundred dollars you know it's just which i know when i when i see some of my uh rescue friends or some of my uh, animal sanctuary friends and i see their medical bills for their residents it's just uh, a whole new level but these are the things to keep in mind it's not just a one-time adoption fee they're not a product like I said, they're a living being. And so they're going to need food. They're going to need basic necessities, uh, grooming supplies. They're going to need activities for mental stimulation, whether that be lick mats or hay belt chews or whatever it may be, depending on the type of species. 
they need to have some sort of mental stimulation. Otherwise, they are going to be bored, depressed. They're going to get into other things that they shouldn't or that you wouldn't want them to get into. And so these are overall just some of the things to think about. You might find out later that your dog has a food allergy. Are you willing to switch foods and maybe have to buy food that's slightly more expensive in order for them to be able to have a healthy life and diet? You know, it's just these kind of small nitty-gritty details to think about before you make this decision. The next category I kind of want to talk about is your family, home, lifestyle, those kind of dynamics. If you in your household are wanting to adopt, but your partner is definitely against it, what is that dynamic going to look like moving forward? If you're hoping that you can kind of <laughs> work work your way in and hopefully convince them to adopt, are you now going to have this expectation that they're going to chip in? If you realize all of the work's going to be on you, is that something that you're going to be okay with? Are you okay with the fact that it's going to be solely you having the responsibilities of caring for this animal? Likewise, thinking about the people who may be coming to your house, so not necessarily people living within, but also people who might come over frequently or family members that might come up to visit you, um, and knowing, do they have allergies or are they scared of cats? Is it going to become a problem with families and relationships with friends if you proceed to adopt? And if so, what are you going to do next? Some people may decide to adopt and then they realize that when their family comes to visit, oh, grandma has an allergy towards cats. Or, oh, my nieces and nephews are scared of the dog. Or, oh, my dog is actually scared of kids and will nip at them. You know, these are also things to consider because each animal, as we've talked about and will continue to talk about, is an individual. And while they may be fine with you, they might be scared of the people you bring into the house. Or the people that you bring into the house might be allergic to the animal. And so what are those kind of dynamics going to look like for you? But another aspect of this is the lifestyle portion of it. What is your lifestyle like? Are you active? Are you going to be traveling a lot? If so, maybe it's not best for you to have an animal in your home. Because then are you willing to find care while you're gone? Are you going to pay for them to go to a pet hotel? Are you going to pay for a person on Rover to come over to your house and help out? Are you planning to take your companion animal with you as you travel? You know, these are other questions to consider because there are some people who think, oh yeah, this would be super fun. But then once the animal comes into the home and they realize, oh wow, there's actually a lot more supplies than I anticipated. And oh wow, there's more things I need to think about now. And now they may view the animal differently and it's more viewed as a hindrance to their life. The thing about all of this is that it's not just about your life. It's about the animal's life. You're now the caretaker for them. And having that responsibility is both amazing and an honor, but it also comes with a lot of responsibility and comes with a lot of expenses and pop-up things you weren't anticipating and behavioral training that maybe you weren't expecting to do and setting boundaries with family or friends that come over to your house, you have to consider the needs now 
of this companion animal. And sometimes people realize that maybe I'm not in a good place at this point in my life to bring in an animal because the last thing we need is for people to go out and buy a puppy or buy a cat from cat breeders, which blows my mind that that's even a thing, or buy a rat from a pet store, buy a turtle, whatever it is, buying an animal, bringing it into your home only to find out that lifestyle-wise, no, I can't do this. Or children-wise, oh, I thought my child was going to be taking care of it, and now it's on me. Or expense-wise, once you find out that all of these things kind of happen and come together when you bring an animal into your home, people then realize, oh, wow, yeah, this isn't for us. This is becoming a nuisance. And now that animal is left in the hands of a shelter, which is already packed and overflowing. That's why as much as I want to express to everybody that there is a major crisis happening now with our shelters, but I also want people to know that there are just some people who should not adopt animals. And that's okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But as I said before, it helps to identify and know these things now before you make that decision and that commitment and now hinder that animal's life by these kinds of changes or not caring for them properly or not giving them stimulation or leaving them alone or leaving them chained out outside all the time, which that is a whole other conversation which really grinds my gears. I think just having these things in mind and seeing it around me so much, it just really comes to light the fact that there are some people who really need to consider these big important questions before making that lifelong commitment. And I don't want it to seem that I'm like, oh, only specific types of people are allowed to adopt animals. That's not it at all. Having animals around can really boost your mental health, but ultimately, we have to think about the animal and what's best for them. Is your home going to be a safe place for them? Are they going to have their needs taken care of by you? Once we're able to answer these questions and seriously take a look at our situations and our lifestyles and our intentions, that can better give us answers as to if this is a good decision for us. Being able to care for them is, it's an honor. And once we're able to have that kind of mindset and answer these considerations, you know, I think it's not only going to be good for you, but it's going to be best for the animal when you think about all of these things first. All right, you guys. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Summer is coming up very fast. Um, here in Michigan, it's going to be in the 90s here soon. And I just cannot believe it because it's only end of May, beginning of June. But we are coming into summer. And if you're interested in learning more about how to keep your pets safe this summer season, I highly recommend that you check out our episode three, five ways to keep your pets safe this summer. In that episode, we list out several ways that you can keep your pets safe this summer, especially with the heat coming up and outdoor activities. And yeah, if you're interested, please give that a listen. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Humane Nation. And you can also contact us through email at info at And we'd love to hear from you. 
All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time. 